I pray you got your Bible with you this morning. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 20, but we're primarily only going to look at three verses this morning. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20, you can see the title of the sermon this morning is, Go and Make What? Go and Make Disciples. Well, you know, next Sunday is Baptist Women's Day. You don't need to be a mom to come to this. This is Baptist Women's Day. So next Sunday morning... Some of us men, we're going to come in, and we're going to fix breakfast for you ladies. Amen? I didn't get an amen. Uh, that probably means you're wondering what it will be or taste like. Well, it's a surprise. Okay? It's a surprise. But Wanda Walker is going to lead the devotion that morning, next Sunday morning. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I've got three ladies that are going to give their personal testimonies. And so I am looking forward to next Sunday. Because this is what it means about making disciples. is being able to tell people your personal what? Your story. Being able to tell people your story. What has Jesus done in your life? What has Jesus done for you? And this is what people want to know. And so being able to bring other people up on this stage, whether if it's women or whether if it's men, whether if it's children, whether if it's youth, people then get an opportunity to hear, what has Jesus done in my what? In my life. And so this is what we're going to talk about. So again, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Get your sermon outline out there as well. It's in your bulletin. Hopefully you got a pen. Hopefully your pencil may be there in front of you as we work through the Word of God together. Now, we all know what Easter is about, right? We, we, we all know the importance of Easter. We know the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know all of the excitement and all of the buildup that happens during that Lenten season and Monday Thursday and Good Friday and then sunrise service and then Easter time is here. But oftentimes one of the things that I see in the church is that once Easter is here and it's over, the church starts losing a little bit of their fervency. We start losing a little bit of our excitement because of the great buildup that has occurred. And then what do we start looking forward to? Well, the two big dates in the church, Easter and Christmas. And so we're like, okay, Lord, I had the buildup. I had that emotional climb up to the top. But now Easter is, is over. And so now I can start to relax again, right? Now I can kind of start to, to sit back and, and take things a little bit easier. But let me ask you a question. If we do that, are we missing out on our mission? If we do that, are we missing out on what Jesus wants the church to be? I mean, think about this. It's the mission of the church of individuals saved by the blood of Jesus Christ to make sure that there is a future for the church. But are we doing that? Has Jesus' resurrection motivated us to become the Christianity that Christ planned for us to become? See, I believe we have to be more than just a label, don't you? I mean, our label is that we are in Christ. Our label is, is that we are Christians. Our label is, is that we are Southern what? We are Southern Baptists. But here's my thing. I believe we got to be His hands, Amen. I believe we got to be his what? I believe we got to be his feet. 
I believe that this goes way beyond a label, but there is a responsibility that you and I take when we come and we say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and to be my what? And to be my Savior. At that time, whether if you realize it or not, you just signed up to go and make what? Disciples. Brother Don, that ain't what I signed up for. I signed up for salvation. I signed up to get out of hell. I signed up to get my sins what? To get my sins forgiven, to get washed, to be cleansed. No, 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 no. Listen, all those are true, but when you signed up, you also said, I will go. And I will make what? I will make disciples. Are we being his hands? Are we being his feet that continues to take the gospel in every part of our lives? I want you all to hear this story. Now, this isn't from me, so don't get mad at me, okay? But this is a story I read from a a pastor in Kentucky. Again, not my words, but interesting. I think one person got it right when he assessed the condition of the visible body of Christ when he said, now hear this, don't get mad at me. You can get mad at him. The church today has raised a whole generation of mules. Stay with me. Now, don't get me wrong. I love animals. I know Kentucky is the horse central of the world, and it's horse season. Before you get mad, believe most people will agree with the following statements. Now, listen to the statements. If you're going to say something with that type of, uh, of, of, of caution, I want you to hear what he says. Mules can endure extreme temperature better than horses. Did you know that? Stay with me. Mules are, by most accounts, noticeably more intelligent than horses. Mules eat less and rarely have hoof problems, unlike horses. Mules live longer, 18 years versus 15 years for horses. Mules are generally more productive when it comes to work than horses. A mule can carry a 50 to 60 pound back pound pack up to 50 miles in one day listen to this as a matter of fact about the only problem with mules is they're almost always sterile and therefore incapable of reproduction durable yes smart yes inexpensive to maintain yes hard workers yes But unfortunately, most mules are the end of their family line. Are you catching on now? Perhaps this is what is meant by this individual who claims that we're raising a whole generation of mules. The church is full of hard what? Workers. Always has been, always will be. We teach classes, we serve the physical needs of others, we clean, we mow, we cook, we move tables, we organize social activities and events, we visit, we write letters, we write cards, we do a host of other things, and the vast majority of these things are great and helpful ministries. There's just one problem. We're not very good at reproducing, church. For some reason, we don't share what it means to be a disciple of Jesus with others so they can come to know him and enlist in his work. Many are at the end of the line when it comes to their spiritual reproduction. 
The mission of the church given to us by Jesus is going to the world and make disciples of others. So it's entirely possible that we can work hard at various activities and yet still fail to get the job what? To get it finished. To get it done. And let me say this plainly, if we are not contributing to the Great Commission by making disciples, we are not doing the job completely. We are not doing the job well. When Jesus rose from the grave, He did so that all that would believe in Him, all that would trust in Him, would know that there was a future. But when Jesus rose from the grave, He knew it would be the church empowered by the Holy Spirit that take the gospel into the what? He trusts that we will. Amen? He trusts that when you get saved, you have signed the dotted line, and the dotted line has been signed in the blood of whom? Of Jesus Christ. And so what we say is, is that this, Lord, I love you. Father, I believe in you. I trust in you. And then he looks at you and he says, you are saved, you are forgiven, and I trust in you that you're going to take the gospel to the what? To the world. I want you to look around this morning. See, at this very moment, this is your what? This is your world. People come to me, and brother, God's not called me to be a missionary. See, whether you know it or not, you are a missionary. You're a missionary to your family. You're a missionary in your school. You're a missionary in your community. You are a missionary within your church body. You are a missionary into the neighborhood in which God has placed you in. You are serving the world that God has put you in at this very what? At this very moment. So when Jesus met the disciples in Galilee on the day of his resurrection, the scripture reveals that Jesus got down to business. He didn't waste time. And within these three verses we're going to see this morning, we're going to find a command, we're going to find three modes of action, and we're going to find a promise that Jesus gave not only to the disciples, but he gave it to the church because he wants us to continue to make disciples that make disciples. So let's read Matthew 28, look at verses 16 through 20, the Great Commission. But the eleven disciples, they proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated or told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And listen to these last words to them that Jesus speaks. Go therefore and make disciples of all what? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What did he tell them to do? Go and then make what? Baptize these people. And he's not done. He says, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the what? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the rain yesterday, God. A time to relax, maybe a time to rest. Father, we come today, we thank you for the music, Lord, that lifts our soul, Father. Lord, it's your, it's your breath in our lungs, God, and we thank you for that. 
Father, I pray today that you will encourage people through your word. Father, I pray today the Holy Spirit is already moving and at work amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ and even those that are here today that do not know Jesus as their Lord. Father, we have been great commissioned. Lord, this is not the great old mission. Father, this is a command. This is to go. And Lord, there's so many things that we hold dear in our lives. But Father, one of the dearest things that you have blessed us with is the ability, God, to go and tell others who Jesus is. Father, help us not to overlook the most important thing in our life. We are going to be accountable one day, God, to you. And Lord, the things that we do, and Father, the things that we don't do, the things that we say, and the things that we don't say. So Father, help us today. Encourage us today. Help us to remember our role and our responsibility in the gospel. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, they said amen. Now I want you to look at verse 19. Get ready as your sermon outline is going to kick in real, real quickly. In verse 19, we find a command. Now who likes to be commanded? Amen? Nobody really enjoys being told what to what to do. And so oftentimes in Christianity, people will come and they'll say, well, Brother Donnie, I thought this was just a feel-good moment. I didn't realize there were things that Jesus was going to command from who? Command from me. Well, I've got news for us all. This is part of being a Christian. Amen? This, this is not about legalism. This is not about, well, if I knew Jesus was going to ask this of me, I don't know that I ever would have come to Jesus. But let me tell you this. If you look in First John, the Bible tells us that God's commands are good. Amen? God commands us to do things because God wants what's best for who? He wants what's best for you. It's like parents. We command our children do certain things because we want what's best for them. We're not trying to hinder them. We are loving them, and we are trying to help them. And so in verse 19, we find the command, and look at what it says. Therefore, go and make disciples. So what is the command? Christians have been given the command to make what? Disciples. And this is the primary command in the Greek, to go and make now, Jesus had given the 11 apostles a command that was spread out into the new church at Pentecost as well into the 21st century. They had a job. What was their job? Go and make what? And not just converts, church. Do you see that? You know, oftentimes people will say, well, Brother Donnie, can't I just be a convert without being a disciple? How does that work? Okay, well, I just want a little bit of Jesus. Okay, well, you want one lump of sugar or two? What are you, you with me? How can we be different? How can there be some type of division in who we say we are? Well, I just want to be a convert, but Brother Donnie, I don't really know that I want to be a what? A disciple. Well, here at Cecilia Baptist, we describe a disciple as the following, and you tell me if you fit into this. Are you ready? A disciple of Christ is an individual who has trusted Christ for salvation, grows in Christ with others, and goes for Christ to serve all. Is that you? Is that who you are? 
And then let me ask you this. Why would Jesus want these men to go into the world and make disciples? Why? Well, because Jesus says that he wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. So, Brother Donna, you are telling me Jesus wanted all, he wanted these men, he wants us to go into the world and make disciples because he wants all people to be what? To be saved. Every single person, man, woman, child, no matter who you are, who you've been, Jesus says there's nothing that you can do that cannot undo my salvation unto you. Every single person. And you know, here's the great thing, I don't get to decide who gets saved, Amen. Because people can look and say, well, that person, Donnie, you don't know him, you don't know her, you don't know who they've been, you don't know what they've been, you don't know what they've done. You know what? I don't get to make that decision. That's between them and Jesus. And I may think, well, you're right, they have been a bad person, but I'm going to tell you something. If we all knew every single thing we did, we'd never want to worship with, it, with anyone to begin with. All of us have done wrong, Amen. Every single person. And if you look at some of the most proficient stories in the Bible, many of these men and women were sinners. King David, adultery, lying, stealing, thieving, murderer. But God said he was a man after his own what? Don't ever think to yourself that Jesus cannot change your life. Don't ever think to yourself, God cannot forgive me of my what? Of my sins. So how were these apostles of Jesus going to make disciples? Well, there's three modes of action that come into play. The first mode of action is found in verse 13. There's two words. It says, therefore what? Go. And so the Greek participle is best rendered as you go or to go on one's way. So going is one of the fundamental aspects of the Great Commission. But I want us to understand that going is much, much more than just traveling overseas or going to church camp or working in VBS. The going means you have an agenda as you are what? As you are going, as you are living, as you are working. The going represents that we as believers, we are not being idle. But this is where your sermon outline begins. Ready? Christians are actively pursuing to share Christ in all aspects of what? Of life. This is who we are supposed to be. Now let me ask you, how many of us have ever failed at this? I'll be honest. We've all failed at this. If we're being honest with ourselves, there's been times in our lives that we have failed at this. But this is who Jesus calls us to be. We are to pursue this. This means that we have to cross or we have to step out of our what? Of our comfort zones. This is what we have to do. Luke 19.10 tells us, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And so this verse tells us that Jesus was actively seeking, actively going, and he was actively pursuing people. And the going also implies our support of people who are literally going to other cultures. Just a quick, quick rundown, you ready? Annie Armstrong, Easter offering, helps support missionary salaries, church planning, evangelism in North America. The Eliza Broadus helps support missions here in the state of what? 
here in the state of Kentucky. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to Southern Baptist missionaries as they take the gospel over what? Overseas. And let me remind us that sharing Christ is the first step of our mission statement here at Cecilia Baptist. It goes like this. We are a church that is connecting people to know. The first step of the discipleship process is introducing people to who? To Jesus. Who Jesus is and why they need Jesus. And this allows us to share our what? Our personal testimony. Of how Jesus changed our what? Someone come up to me Wednesday night when Bible study was over. And the individual said, Brother Donnie, I want to share my testimony, but I want to do it on Wednesday night when I've got a little bit more time than maybe I would have on Sunday morning. I said, I think that's awesome. And so one Wednesday night coming up, we'll skip the Bible study, and I'm going to open it up to an individual that's wanting to give their what? Their personal testimony. God's placed that on that individual's heart that that person needs to tell others what Jesus has done in their what? That's the process of making what, church? Disciples. So many in the church today, we have just become what? Quiet. We don't want to share. We don't want to talk. We don't want to love. We don't want to shake hands. We don't want to embrace. We just want to say, I was there, heard the sermon, gave my tithe, and I went what? That ain't church. That is you doing this. Check, please. That's not church, church. We've got to remember these things, things that Jesus wanted us to do in our life. And then the second mode of action is one of the two ordinances that's found in the Southern Baptist faith. Jesus told the apostles, he said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. But there's the second part of this, the mode. He says, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the what? In the name of the Holy Spirit. So number two, Christian baptism. What is it? It's a step of obedience that symbolizes our new identity in who? In Jesus. What is it? Christian baptism. It's a step of obedience that symbolizes our new identity in Christ Jesus. But we need to remember that baptism is not a step to what? It's not a step to salvation. It's not a step to salvation, but baptism is an initial step of obedience that results in a person's salvation. And not only is being baptized a command from Jesus, it's part of our growth within Jesus because it's a step of obedience. And disciples of Jesus Christ are baptized. It says in what? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All three we know is the Holy what? It's the Holy Trinity. In the Southern Baptist faith, we believe baptism follows belief in Jesus, and that's why we call it what? Believer's baptism. Now, I have heard conversations that baptism isn't necessary to enter into heaven. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, Brother Donnie, we don't have enough time to chase that rabbit this morning. And many times people will say, well, what about the crook on the cross as the example? Let me tell you this morning, Jesus may not have taken the crook off of the cross, 
But that crook was baptized in the blood of Jesus. He was baptized in the blood of Jesus. So I want to ask you one question. Was Jesus baptized? Absolutely. And he is our ultimate example. And Jesus tells every single one of us that we should be what? Baptized. Christian, if you are here this morning and you have never been baptized, why? See me after church. Call me. Come by the office. But if you are in Christ Jesus and you have professed Him as your Lord and your Savior and you have never been baptized, I want you to tell me why. Because if Jesus has been baptized, how are we better than Him? And you may be thinking, Brother Donnie, I'm a big dude. I'm 6'4", 295. I've not lost one yet. Amen? I have not lost one yet. Brother Donnie, I have a phobia with water. I just can't do it. Let me tell you, I will dunk you and pull you up. And if you need a hug, I'll give you a hug. Jesus says for us to be what? To be baptized. Our mission statement here at Cecilia goes like this, connecting people to know, but also connecting people to what? To grow. Growth happens through obedience. And then the third mode of action found in verse 20, and it says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And this is your third asterisk on your sermon outline this morning. Christians should live a life centered on Jesus' what? On His teaching. We should be living a life that is centered on Jesus' teaching. Building disciples is a process. Amen? It requires more than salvation. It requires more than baptism. It also requires building up those who are in Jesus Christ. And this third mode, it's more than just teaching people about Jesus, but it's also teaching them to be obedient unto Jesus In the first church, in Acts chapter 2, the church body met every single day in the temple or in the homes. They learned, they studied, they grew in their faith, they were hungry for God's word and for fellowship amongst the believers who the Bible said they had everything in what? In common. And this is why, church, I encourage you. I encourage you to be more involved than just here on Sunday morning worship. You need to be able to sit down in a small group. Well, if it's Sunday school, well, if it's Sunday night, well, if it's youth group, well, if it's a women's study, a men's study, you need to be able to sit down and read God's Word together, asking questions, seeing and understanding God's glory and God's goodness and God's grace and His will for your life to help equip you with His truths. You have two options in this world. You've got two. You can live your life according to the world's truths or you can live your life according to God's truths. Those are your two options. And I can tell you this, look around at our country. How's it working? How's that going for us right now? Every single day you turn on the news and what do you see? Sinfulness, murder, theft. And church, listen to me this morning. Are you ready? I'm going to give you something. God has not walked out on this country. We are choosing to walk out on God. 
And that is the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, hear this, you ready? All Scripture is God-breathed, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training for righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You need to be equipped. You need to be ready for what the world is going to throw at you. And some of you may be thinking, wow, Brother Donnie, that's a huge task that he left for the apostles. That's a huge task that he's left for the church. This is going to take time, Brother Donnie. This is going to take effort. This is going to take sweat. This is going to take patience. This is going to take love. This is going to take obedience. But here is the great promise. And Jesus comes in at the end of verse 20. Jesus gives a great promise. What does he say? I am with you what? Always. To the very end. When Jesus left the apostles and the church, the Great Commission, He did not leave us without hope. Amen? He did not leave us without help. Matter of fact, and this is on your outline as well this morning. Matter of fact, Jesus did this. Christ equips us to make what? Disciples. Hebrews 13, 21, it says that that God will equip you with everything good for doing His will, and He may work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory forever and ever. You can't sit there and say, I can't do it. You're right. You can't do it by yourself. But Jesus said, I'm going to equip you. But He ain't done, is He? He ain't done. Jesus also says Christ enables us to make disciples. So, Brother Donnie, He's going to equip me. And then he's going to enable me. Jesus said in verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Jesus who gives me what? Who gives me strength. Jesus, don't leave us alone. Amen? And then Christ also empowers us to make disciples, equips, enables, empowers. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea Samaria to Samaria and the ends of the earth the third part of our mission statement at Cecilia Baptist goes like this we're connecting people to know grow and go for Christ not just to stay in these walls but to what to go i want to read you a story as we get ready to close In 1886, I'm going to take you way back. In 1886, Dr. John Pemberton first introduced Coca-Cola in Atlanta, Georgia. After a little more than 100 years, surveys showed that 97% of the world had heard of Coke. 72% of the world has seen a can of Coca-Cola. 51% of the world has tasted a can of Coca-Cola. All due to the fact that the company made a commitment years ago that everyone on the planet would have a taste of their soft drink. Church, we should take note here. 97% of the world has heard of this sugar and water concoction while 1.7 billion have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not done. And it's estimated that 17 million people die every year 
without ever hearing the word Jesus. Jesus. They've never heard of him. Of the very thing that we say is the most important thing in our lives. But we're scared to death to say his name, to speak his name. So now that Jesus is risen, what's our mission? Are we taking the gospel to towns? Are we taking the gospel to counties? Are we taking the gospel to states? Are we taking the gospel just to our neighborhoods? Are we sharing Jesus with intentions? And maybe one of the most important things to ask this morning is, is this. Are you a disciple of Jesus? If someone looked at you and they said, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ, what would you say? Would you say, no, I'm just a convert. I, 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 I'm just a convert and that's really all that I want to be. How can someone give you everything and you in turn not want to hardly give them anything? Church, I don't know what God has done with this message for you this morning. I don't know what burden, I don't know what responsibility that God is calling you to do. But I do know this, he is calling us to make what? Are we doing that here at Cecilia? Are we doing that in our lives? Because church, listen to me, your job is not to just come in and fill a pew, amen? Jesus didn't say, take the great pew commission to the world. Your job is to help teach. Your job is to help spread. Your job is to help motivate and encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me ask you, are you doing that? Because if not, you need to come pray this morning. You need to come pray because there's something that's hindering your walk with God. And I don't know what it could be, but there, there, there's, a, there's a blockage. There's an obstacle in your life. Something's happened and you have fell into a comfort zone in your walk with God. I don't want us to be comfortable, amen? I want us to be what God calls us to be. Or maybe there's someone here today you've never been saved, you've never given your life to Jesus and you're like, Brother Donnie, I can't be a disciple. I'm not even a, I'm not a Christian yet myself. Well, you know what? We can change that today, Amen. The Bible says, any name that calls on the name of the Lord, you shall be what? Saved. So this morning as Billy comes and we sing, this is your time, this is your invitation. Are we disciples making disciples? Will you stand this morning as we sing?